Hi, this is Derwin James, and you listen to the Chargers Podcast Network. All right, guys, welcome to a draft edition of Chargers Weekly. Here with my guys, Ryan Wilson and Will Brinson, CBS Sports. Guys, it's uh, it's always a fun time of year. April feels a little bit different, though. We're doing this all remotely, and uh, a lot has changed in our world. How are you guys holding up? Can't complain. I mean, what are we going to do? Be mad that there's football still going? Like, you know, it could be worse in, in the sense of being covering a sport. Like, if you're going to cover a sport professionally, you'd rather cover the one that can still do the offseason stuff. We can still take part in it, even though we're, you know, at home. And uh, obviously, we're more concerned about things off the field or, you know, things outside the realm of football than anything else. But, I mean, like, you know, if you're a, if you're a college basketball guy, you're expecting to be, like, gearing up for the Final Four right now. Instead, Matt, Lor- Matt Norlander's, like, writing about Duke, Kentucky from 1992. So, uh, I will trade me playing Madden for, for whatever he's dealing with. Yeah. Right, how's it how's it changed for you knowing that this is a big point these pro days that's a piece of the 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 larger puzzle no it's a huge piece of the puzzle that's right Chris and a lot it's it's changed for me obviously but it's changed a lot for players that needed that pro day to prove themselves after either a uh, substandard showing at the combine or you know I've talked to scouts that say that the the big loser here are the the players from small schools who use these pro days as their combine because they didn't get invites to that or to the senior bowl or to the shrine bowl. So those guys are having to put out videos. The senior bowl to their credit actually published uh, a tweet explaining how small school guys can do their own quote unquote pro day and, and sort of get their name out there. So it's much tougher for those guys, but it's tougher for, um, you know, people like me and I know Brinson goes to the state pro day. I go to the, the Syracuse pro day cause it's local and, and seeing those guys up close and personal. So that's uh, sort of one less thing that scouts and media people and, of course, GMs and coaches get to do. You know, I just finished uh, – I was just down in uh, Oceanside area close to San Diego doing a, uh, a feature on a kid from UC Davis, a kid by the name of Jake Mayer, who's a quarterback uh, and was going to throw at UCLA's Pro Day, was going to throw at Cal's Pro Day, and was going to have his, his Pro Day at UC Davis. All those things get canceled. So for guys like that, th- those guys who are on the bubble of even being <coughs> drafted – it's a it's a tough position because you just got to rely on the tape and then cr- get creative with the social media stuff, right? No, that, that's ex- that's exactly right because, you know, I was talking to one scout about this and he said, well, if they go to the the Shrine Bowl or even the Collegiate Bowl, which is out in I think it's in Los Angeles, you have an opportunity to get heights and weights and measurements on these guys, and they were like, listen, we're not taking anyone else's uh, numbers in terms of heights, weights, and speed. We have to be there. I know it sounds antiquated, but we're not going to allow that to happen unless we're there in person. That's just how we've done it. That's how we're always going to do it. So that's been one of the big stumbling blocks. But, but to your point uh, and sort of what I mentioned, it's an opportunity for these kids who didn't get the, the big stage early on to show themselves against similar type competition. You, know, you can dominate in, in FCS, but then there are plenty of questions about how does that translate to FBS, and then how does that translate to the NFL? And, and that's right. So that's a that's a huge stumbling block and a huge issue. And there's really not much we can do about it. Just to I mean, just to follow up on that, I think too, like, and this is not a small school example, but it is a guy who was a was considered a, a you know a bigger prospect. But in Javon Kinlaw, uh, who went to the Senior Bowl and just dominated, 
and locked himself probably into top 20 status. And there's no way, I mean, like maybe he falls in the top 25 or whatever it is, but this is not a guy who's going to, like, because of his senior bowl, because he got to go and do that, and he drew the attention of everybody before the Super Bowl, before the lockdown. Like, if the lockdown had happened before then, maybe he doesn't get the opportunity to shoot himself up boards. You know, I, I just think there's so many different steps in this process that, like you point out, Chris, are now eliminated that you're not seeing the risers and the fallers, the way that you might have in traditional years. I mean, like a guy like Ezra, Ezra Cleveland now creeping into the, the first half of most mock drafts because the word's getting out that teams are into him. But like by and large, you know, you're talking about players who just don't have that opportunity to make the push up the board. Yeah, and these coaches and scouts are doing these top 30 visits via Skype, right, via FaceTime. So it's a, it's a whole new deal. And, and I, I bet there's some scouts and coaches that probably are as familiar with the technology that maybe you guys are doing. Well, I mean, I mean we're, basis, right? we're all on, we're all on Skype right now for like, and I mean, this is not the case, but I mean, just pointing out if there were red flags existing around me, you wouldn't be able to see them. You might get them in person, but you're not like, like I might not have two legs and you know, like, I might, you might still think I'm draftable. He's like, this guy doesn't ever wear pants. Are you kidding me? We can't draft him. And <laughs> like, got a great backdrop, never know he's got a great <laughs> That's right, backdrop. Yeah. Got a backdrop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, we're going to have some fun. I have five draft questions for you. Uh, both of you guys answer, and we'll, we'll start with this. Uh, Steve Weish had an exclusive interview with Tua Tungavailoa today, and Tua said he feels 100%. So my question to you guys, are you taking a, a 100% Joe Burrow or a 100% Tua, being that if this was week one, you needed a starting quarterback. I, I think a lot of people think Joe's going to be the, the number one overall pick, but if you have both these guys at 100%, Ryan, who are you taking? First off, Chris, congratulations to you for nailing Tua's last name. Brenton has struggled for months. It took him three months. He's finally got it down, Pat, so you nailed it. For I, have it, I, have it I have it taped on my – I have it taped up here in the pronunciation guide, taped on my, my screen up here so I can say it. Yeah, Chris Chris nailed that. Tonga Vailoa, well done there. Uh, look, yeah. I'm glad Tua said that, and he, that's probably what he feels like he has to say. I saw the quote, and my first thought was, all right. And he's an extremely humble guy. We talked to him at the, at the, C, uh, the Super Bowl. He spent a half hour on the HQ set. I wasn't there, uh, but I talked to him at, at the Combine. Extremely humble, and you believe every word that comes out of his mouth. And I believe he believes his 100%. But if you're asking me who am I taking to start week one, it's Joe Burrow. And it's not even a question. Uh, the way he played last year, the confidence that he has, how much he progressed from – 2018 to 2019, all those factors. Now, if Tua never had gotten hurt, that that becomes a much more interesting question because uh, he was quarterback one coming into the season, and then obviously Joe Burrow happened and the, and the hip happened for Tua. That's a little tougher to answer, but right now, knowing everything we know, even with Tua's uh, medical expertise saying that he's 100%, I'm going with Joe Burrow, and I suspect under every circumstance, the Bengals are going to do exactly the same thing. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that I, I honestly thought that Joe Burrow – passed to a before even the injury because I mean you know they were I mean like they were the way that he was playing last year and Tua you know has like you know you can take you can knock him for having talent around and they both had a lot of NFL caliber talent around him but I think it probably washes out in that actual you know apples to oranges comparison I just think that Burrow 
you know, they both have faults. They both have, you know, flaws, et cetera. Every quarterback does. But to me, Burrow looks like a guy who can slide into a, an NFL-made system and operate right away, has a prototypical size, speed, et cetera, um, you know, big, strong. Like, has, a, has the what Pete Prisker likes to call the fire in his belly, which is a term that I'm very tired of. But I, I don't disagree with it when it comes to Joe Burrow. Like, the kid, the kid has it. Uh, so I thought he had already passed Tua in the first place. But I, I still think that – Tua is higher for me than a lot of people because I'm not quite as worried about the injuries. I think we tend to make more out of injuries at draft season than than we probably should. Um, you know, you can go back and, and look at lots of different players who have been taken later. Uh, and and ter- like Jeffrey Simmons, for instance, out of Mississippi State for the uh, Titans, they got him as a steal later in the first round. He should have been a top five pick. He comes back in the ACL and he impacts him in his rookie year. So to me, I don't worry about that quite as much, but certainly it can be a red flag. I think Jeffrey Simmons, his first game in the NFL was against the Chargers. And right. he, he made his mark in that game. That was a that was a game the Chargers probably should have won, that, that fumble at the one-yard line. Oh, that's Melvin right. Gordon. That's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, and, and both teams kind of went in different directions at that point. That was Ryan Tannehill's first start, too. So, um, guys, the gap between Burrow, Tua, Herbert, Love, is, is it those three or four guys and then the rest of the pack, Ryan? Yeah, those four guys, and then it'll be Jacob Eason and probably Jalen Hurts, I would imagine, are going to round it out. Then the question becomes, when does Eason and and Hurts go off the board? Eason feels like a second-round pick to me, but honestly, and this this is something you guys will have to figure out at that sixth pick, Chris, Justin Herbert played like a second-round pick if you watched him in 2019. Now, Brinson just talked about having that awesome uh, pre-draft campaign. Justin Herbert rocked the, the Senior Bowl. He rocked the Combine interviewed off the charts. I talked to him both times and again, couldn't be nicer. I have a lot of hope for t- t- today's youth. These guys are, are uh, respect their elders and say all the right things. They're working hard and that's all fantastic. But he also understood that he needed to work on being a leader. That's the first thing he said. I said, of all the things you need to work on, what are teams talking to you about being a better leader? So nothing about arm strength or moving well in the pocket and all that other stuff. But I just think he needs to play more consistently. Um, I like Jordan love a lot, but there's no getting away from how terrible that 2019 season was. 2018 had a lot of people excited. Like, okay, this guy's a first-round pick. We'll watch him play. I think the first game of the year was Wake Forest. Three touchdowns, three interceptions, and then it pretty much went downhill from there. Now, there are a lot of reasons for that. The the new coach, the new offensive line, all the playmakers virtually left. It was just him trying to do too much. But um, I think it goes Burrow, Tua, assuming Tua's healthy, and we'll find out. Like, If if Tua slips slips like to 15 or something, you know something's wrong. But then I think it's Herbert and Love are pretty close for me. If Love went before Herbert, it wouldn't surprise me. And then the only question becomes, okay, at the bottom of the say Jordan Love's gone by the 15th pick, for example, the bottom of the first round, do the Patriots or do the Saints or maybe even the Packers get a little antsy and try to pull the trigger on Jacob Eason as their quarterback of the future? Or do they go in different directions? And then how far does Jacob Eason and then Jalen Hurts fall? I would even go one step further, and I think Ryan would agree with me here, but I would have – Burrow and Tua, and then kind of a sizable gap. And I know Ryan has Jordan Love above Justin Herbert, but I think I think it would even be like Class A, Class B, and then everybody else is Class C. Like if you know if, if I had the, if I had the first or second overall pick, and I, I am I also am not a huge Justin Herbert fan. Like I, he could be good, I could be wrong. I just don't, I just don't. It doesn't click for me, and and so I'm not in on him. But I think that um, if you if you just like I would use a first or second overall pick on Burrow or Tua. I wouldn't use it on, on Love or Herbert, but that's just me. Guys, next question. I think we're probably all in agreement that Chase Young's the best defensive player 
in this draft. And we'll see if the Redskins believe so. Maybe not. Maybe you guys think otherwise. But outside of Chase Young, let's take him out of the equation. Who is the best defensive player in this draft? Okay, uh, I'll steal this since I, since I only know a limited number. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the, the, I like Isaiah Simmons, I think, is, is the guy that I would take. And I know Jason Lockenfora reported that he's heard the Redskins are sort of falling in love with Simmons. And that might, you know, that's really going to sort of entice them to maybe take, I, in theory, take less to move down from two to five if the Dolphins want to come up or even two to six. Who knows if the Chargers wanted to move up? Not exactly Tom Telesco's. Uh, sort of modus operandi, operandi there. So maybe, maybe, maybe not the case. Maybe the Panthers want to move up to two. Who knows? But I think the Redskins would might be willing to move down to five, knowing that if they did that, they would still have a very good chance of getting Isaiah Simmons or Jeffrey Okuda because you know you have uh, the cornerback, the, the safety slash linebacker. You've got um, Chase Young, and then you have the two quarterbacks. Like you know, you're going to get one of those five blue chip guys once the quarterbacks are gone. So uh, I love Simmons. I think. He can play, obviously, linebacker or safety. You see him cover running backs out of the backfield at Clemson. He can blitz like a madman. I just think a smart, creative, defensive-minded head coach or defensive coordinator can unleash Simmons in a variety of ways, and he's the perfect modern NFL player. Like I think if you gave Bill Belichick in a vacuum it, the, the choice to take one guy in this draft, he would take Simmons. And now, I mean, obviously, you know, vacuum doesn't imply that he just lost Tom Brady, but you get the point. Like, I think that's the type of guy he would want to plug in a modern defense. Yeah. Uh, I asked Joe Burrow this question at the combine. I said, of all the players on the field, that really good Clemson defense, who were you worried about most in the championship game? He didn't even hesitate because Isaiah Simmons, I had to know where Isaiah Simmons was on every single snap. And um, that says a lot for a guy who made very few mistakes in Joe Burrow last season. Uh, that's how good Isaiah Simmons was. Simmons was, I will go with Jeffrey Akuda. Brenton mentioned him as a possible, um, as one of the two best players. I give him a slight edge over Isaiah Simmons in terms of, of being the best defensive player after Chase Young. He, man, he does so many things well. And if you watch him, uh, he went to the Ohio State like Denzel Ward. He is bigger than Dan, Denzel Ward. He's not as fast, but he still ran a four, uh, a sub four five, I believe. He reminds me more of Marshawn Lattimore in terms of the physicality, his coverage skills. He's incredibly intelligent, and you know we talked to him at the combine, and I've never met someone with more confidence than Jeffrey Kuda. He exudes he, it. Yeah, he 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 wasn't arrogant. He was just confident, and um, I was like, all right, I, I believe whatever you're saying. I don't even hear the words come out of your mouth. He is he's he's legit, and that's a guy. Like, can you imagine him on the Chargers defense with that stacked Chargers defense? Um, how good they would be. You're not throwing, you're not completing any passes. It's you, you, the offense got to run the ball against that defense. That's how good they would be. So Isaiah Simmons, Jeffrey Akuda, you can't go wrong, but I'll go Akuda with a slight edge. I just, I'm trying to imagine that now that, that Chris Harris Jr. is in the mix. You put him right. in the slot. Yeah. You got Casey Hayward on one side, Akuda on the other, Derwin James, Rayshon Jenkins played 99% of the snaps last year. And by the way, Nazir Adderley, didn't even see the field. So he, he's primed to contribute. And then you have a first-team All-Pro in Desmond King, yeah. who uh, had a little bit more of a down year last year as compared to the year before. But, um, I mean... You, you, if, come out, you come out of the gates in your dime package. Like, by, well, by all means. My, my, thing is, my thing is, if you want to be Kansas City, how about you do that? Instead of, yeah. like, loading up on, 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 uh, on weapons on the offensive side, how about you just make it the most dominant secondary in football? <laughs> Well, and you know, you could do it, 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 if you want to get the schematics of it too. If you had, um, you know, if you had those cornerbacks and you can sort of rotate them in or play, a, you know, play a dime, you can use Derwin James where 
you know, you, I mean, you, obviously you're bringing a safety into the box there, but you have enough cornerbacks and where they're malleable and what they play and they can match up and you can, you know, you can push a double over to Tyreek Hill. I mean, like Derwin can come in the box and be on the lookout for Travis Kelsey and also blitz, you know, or, or jump in against the run. And so you could do like a sort of a malleable, like five, two scheme or whatever it would be. I mean, it, it is an interesting concept to imagine. Yeah. And then they always say Russian cover go together. Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram up front getting pressure on the quarterback too would make that secondary pretty nasty. All right, guys, number three, the first round talent that you think isn't getting enough love uh, by draft pundits, draft analysts, or, you know, things you're hearing, uh, a guy that you, you're pretty high on that maybe we're not talking about. You want to go first, Prince, or you want me to go? You go ahead, because I'll have to think of somebody. All right, you think of someone. Um, this guy's actually getting a little love now, so I, I won't go with Denzel Mims, who I, I've loved since late in the season, the wide receiver of Baylor. I'll go with cornerback uh, Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn. He came out of nowhere. Like, he played at Auburn, a big five school, and you're like, okay, you can't come out of nowhere. You're playing against these SEC teams every week. But I was talking to someone at the Shrine Bowl. Um, there are reps for Igbenogany going around saying, you got to watch this guy's tape. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. And, and you know, eventually you did, and you watched him. You go, okay, this guy was legit. This is exactly who we should be watching. So, um, yeah, this guy's a cornerback. His, let's see, I'm trying to think. His mom, I think, was a world-class sprinter. Yeah, that's right. She won a bronze medal uh, in the Olympics, and his dad was like a five-time SEC long jump champ. So he comes from a family that can run. And you watch him play, he's not like a long, slender guy. He's not like C.J. Henderson. He's like 5'10", 5 5'11", 5 about 195. He is built like a fire truck, but he, he can run. He can cover. He can help out in the run game. Uh, again, this is another guy, he may fall to the second round, but if the Chargers landed him, they have a second-round pick, don't they? I think they do, don't they? They do. They pick at the top, top of the second. Yeah, 40, four, uh, where is it? Let me see. Sorry. I'm we, I've, put... we've, I've decided collectively for all sports writers that – uh, during quarantine, if you start to forget certain things as you would typically know, because this is happening to me, and I know that it's not like age or anything else. Like over the last seven to 12, 14 days, I have started to forget stuff that, like, like that, like, like basic stuff that I know I know. But and it's like I'm gonna call, I'm calling it quarantine brain. I'm giving us all an excuse for it. Ryan's in like 42 three round mocks. I know he knows that the Chargers have a second round pick, right? 37. No, that's right. Everybody yeah. gets everybody gets a mulligan. Yeah, I think 37. If they took him at 37, that would be a huge that would be a huge get. Now there's some questions about he didn't have a lot of interceptions last year. He did much better the year before in terms of interceptions and pass breakups, just off the top of my head. But he's a guy that no one's talking about or is not talking as much about as maybe they should, who I think is going to be a really good player at the next level. Uh, I will go with uh Yetergros Matos, which is just a fun name to say. And he is he is a first round pick. Like, I think everybody would be surprised if he didn't make it. But I mean, I think I'm a little surprised that he hadn't climbed higher in the process uh, because of his position, because he plays as an edge rusher and because he has like a bunch of raw upside to him. And he's also pretty good against the run. Like you feel like you could watch him sort of uh, maybe grow into what he does a little bit more and it could really uh, you know, explode into being a dominant player. It feels like that's the sort of guy over the past five to 10 years that in every single season, every single off season, the more he gets, maybe this is a coronavirus situation thing or a COVID-19 thing where we're not getting enough time to, to watch him. But like, typically speaking, you would see a guy like this, I think climb way up the draft board. Maybe it's just the draft class in general with the quarterbacks and the blue chippers and those, the big chunk of wide receivers that's keeping him down. I, I'm just, maybe his team needs. Uh, I'm just surprised he hadn't been pushed up a little bit more than he has been where he's sort of in the, the late, late, 
late teens, twenties rounds. I, I could see him being higher than that in a normal year. All right. Number four, Ryan, we'll start with you. And this is an interesting question now, because again, we, we talked about the pro days and, and really not seeing these guys since maybe what you saw on tape. So you really got to trust your eyes sleepers in, in this draft based on what you saw on the tape, maybe guys in the second, third, fourth round that you think could be Pro Bowl players in the NFL? Yeah, I'll give you a couple guys, sort of running back slash types. Lynn, Lynn Bowden out of Kentucky uh, played quarterback last year for five or six games, according to our buddy Josh Edwards. I saw him play a couple times. I was like, why is this running back slash receiver playing quarterback? Uh, the quarterback was hurt. But he can play in the slot. He can play out wide. He can play H-back. He can run these end rounds. He can run screens. He is electric with the ball in his hands, and he feels like a third-round pick to me. I've talked to people that feel like he might even go higher than that. But um, a Randall Cobb type is what he's been described as. Uh, another guy, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. He was a wide receiver. I think he caught about 30 passes last season. At the Senior Bowl, he was used as primarily just a, a, a running back. He rushed about 35, 38 times last year, I think. He looks like he's about 240, 235. He ran a sub-4-4 at the Combine, and he, he was running over people uh, at the Senior Bowl, and not just running them over. He has quick feet. Um, he can obviously catch the ball. So these versatile-type Tyson Hill, Taysom Hill type players could be sort of the new wave of things we see. They're not going to be first round picks. They're rough around the edges. You have to work with those guys. But those are two offensive guys that can play just about anywhere. And in Lynn Bowden's case, he can actually play a quarterback if you need him in a pinch. Um, and those, they could be round two, round three guys that could come in and uh, make your offense a little more versatile. Uh, I've got a couple of defensive guys that I really like a lot. Uh, one, and the and I, again, this is actually another guy I could have really included uh, this kid as the surprise. He's not getting first round love. Antoine Winfield, a junior out of oh, yeah. uh, Minnesota, obviously Antoine Winfield's son. And by the way, we also have Bob Michael Pittman Jr. in this draft class. In case you weren't already so bothered by the world collapsing outside around us, we are now old enough where Antoine Winfield and Michael Pittman's kids are in the NFL draft really depressing at this point. Like I didn't, I remember when I was like, Oh, like I'm older. You know, you're like, Oh, I'm, I'm finally older than some players. And now you're like, Oh my God, I am covering the league. And I'm, Unlike the, the players' kids that I could like covered are, are now coming into the league, which is depressing. Winfield's just a ball hawk, and I mean, he goes after. Like you watch, I watch a. Don't ask me why, but I watch a bunch of Minnesota games. I really like the Golden Gophers and PJ Fleck and row the boat this year. And Winfield was just always flying to the ball. Uh, I think you know a dynamic type of prospect that you can put in there who has the pedigree, who can move around and play some different positions, and um, I, I think would be a very nice fit on a team. Bryce Hall too, cornerback out of Virginia. Bigger guy, stronger, physical. Uh, I think Ryan could correct me if I'm wrong, but had a, maybe a better 2018 and then sort of a, a, a downish 2019. Or his hype had been up and then came back down, but I think he's still got uh, a lot of – what's that? He got hurt halfway through 2019, so he didn't, he didn't get a chance that's to play. It yes. Um, and, uh, and by the way, I agree on the, the Lynn Bowden, the dude from Kentucky. That guy's a – you watch that Kentucky VT ball, ball game? Guy's a beast. And then um, the one other guy that I throw out there that I'm like – I think could be a real day two sleeper in terms of being a wide receiver. I, I like, I know he's got injury issues, but I loved him at Colorado and Lavishka Chenault. Like you would watch, if you watch any of their games, that guy just can take over and maybe he ends up, it's a, it feels like a boomer bust situation, but his boom is so high that I'd be really willing to take a, a day two risk on him. It's a great segue because the, the last question I have for you guys, 
your favorite running back and your favorite wide receiver. And this wide receiver class is absolutely loaded. You mentioned guys like Michael Pittman Jr., who would probably be second, third round pick this year. Any other year, who knows where Michael Pittman Jr. Right, yeah. would land. Um, Will, we'll start with you. Your favorite running back in this class and your favorite wide receiver. Uh, I will go – my favorite wide receiver C.D. Lamb. Um, 1A and 1B with C.D. And, and Jerry Judy. The way I describe C.D. and I, I – you watch him play and you're like, man, this guy, to me, he looks like a Cadillac. Like he catches the ball and he gets in the open field and he's running away from people, but he doesn't look like he's exerting any effort. And he's almost like he's floating like an inch or an inch and a half above the ground and just on cruise control. And he's still just gaslighting people. And so uh, I, I think his skill set is um, just gives him maybe gaslight's the wrong word, but you get the point. Just gives him the, you know, the ability with a ton of upside. Now, he didn't play a lot of defenses that were very good, so to speak. But I think the SEC defenses that Jerry Judy played are a little bit overrated. I love Judy. I would take Lamb over him. And uh, for a running back, I'll take uh, DeAndre Swift. Just a guy who, you know, like I, I keep mock drafting him to the Chiefs. And that's something the Chargers should not want to happen because no. not like the Chiefs need any more weapons. The guy just gets the ball in his hand take off and Georgia has this long lineage of great running backs just feels like they're always cranking them out I think he'll be an explosive player um in the, at the next level I mentioned Denzel Mims I do love him a lot but I'll go with a deep cut uh, in terms of the wide receivers Van Jefferson out of Florida he's older he'll be 24 I think when the season starts his dad Sean Jefferson played in the NFL he's the Jets wide receivers coach now he is probably the second best route runner in this class after Jerry Judy he is so smooth in and out of his breaks he didn't run at the at the combine, which is weird. We saw him walking around one day. The next day, he had a had a foot injury, so he didn't run. Obviously, he didn't get a chance to run it. I don't think Florida had their pro day before uh, we were all quarantined, so we don't know how fast he is. But if you watch him play, he plays extremely fast. He's extremely he gets open all the time. Uh, one of my favorite games to watch is him versus LSU. He didn't play a lot against Christian Fulton. He played a whole bunch against Darryl, uh, Derek Stingley. And he lit up Derek Stingley much more than anyone else has that I've seen this season. And I feel like if he landed somewhere like Tampa Bay in the third or fourth round, he is going to get 60 targets next year from Tom Brady just because he'll, be, he'll get open, most short and intermediate routes, and he'll end up having 700, 800 receiving yards. Uh, running back, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at LSU. No player did more to boost his draft stock, I feel like, than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, other than obviously the guy he was throwing the ball in, in Joe Burrow. Um, Great running back. He's small in size. I think he's he might be 5'8". Uh, I think he ran a 4'5", 5'6". I don't care. It does not matter. He is so dangerous in terms of uh, coming out of the backfield as a pass catcher. And I love him going 49th to the Steelers. I've been doing a mock draft every week for years, it feels like Brentson mentioned. In the last few weeks, I've had him going to the Steelers at 49. I just feel like that's a perfect fit for that offense as Big Ben's healthy. But again, if he went somewhere like the Chiefs, that's a huge problem for the rest of that division. Um, the, the Saints, another example. You spell Alvin Kamara, that type of offense where you have an explosive quarterback that can get the ball out quickly. I think Clyde Edwards Alaire has a chance to be really good really quickly um, as a rookie in 2020. Guys, kind of a, a, a 5B to this question. The Chargers, with Austin Eckler in the mix, he's, he's re signed, he's in the fold. Justin Jackson from Northwestern is, is also in the mix as well. But I could see the Chargers maybe pulling the trigger on a running back, maybe a first and second down back to compliment Eckler. I think Eckler is just a different case. He, he can play wide receiver. He can split about wide, catches a ton of balls. But is there a, a, a running back that you think may be a nice compliment to Eckler 
And then when you talk about Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, I feel like that may be a piece that could really complete this offense. I would throw out uh, Jonathan Taylor as a compliment and just go Wisconsin uh, for Wisconsin, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a real, really rubbing it in Melvin Gordon. No, I mean, like, I, and by the way, look, Melvin Gordon's a good dude. Uh, I love Austin Eckler. I, he's one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. Like I think he's, it's a, a, a outstanding signing you don't often hear good running back signing um but assigning austin eckler to that contract and getting him paid and keeping him in the fold he's so efficient and so explosive in the pass game and he really doesn't need to be a guy you lean on in the run game like he shouldn't be i mean he can be the feature back but he doesn't need to be i actually think justin jackson's pretty good personally um jonathan taylor taylor pass catcher you saw paul chris sort of work on that stuff uh with him at wisconsin to try and get him better at that before he headed to the pros uh but you know between the tackles guys so if you're gonna move on from melvin why not replace him with the guy he replaced uh or, or maybe i think replaced at uh at wisconsin and go grab jonathan taylor yeah um trying to think oh yeah the latest mock draft 37 that had uh the charger taking deandre swift so oh. there you go i mean there if he's go. there 37 that solves a lot of problems. But I mentioned Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He would fit in that offense really well. And I'll mention Cam Akers out of Florida State. Um, he has to work on his pass catching. He dropped a bunch of balls in his career. But that's what um, Austin Eckler is there for. I was shocked when I looked up his numbers. He had nearly 1,000 receiving yards last year. So Austin Eckler can handle that no problem. Cam Akers carried that Florida State offense. That offensive line was so incredibly bad last year. And Cam Akers was still amazingly good at his job. Uh, again, all these running backs, I feel like there's going to be five or so that go in the second round. Cam Akers is going to be one of them. He may go earlier than people expect, but that guy's a workhorse. Uh, he doesn't fumble. He has to work on his hands, but if you want to throw the ball, throw it to Eckler, and if he's there at 37 and you told me the Chargers took him, I was like, yeah, that's a great pickup, and he's going to do a lot of good things for that offense. Ryan Wilson, Will Brinson, CBS Sports, you guys do incredible work. Um, Promote everything you got going on, because I know it's a lot here, uh, especially three weeks leading up to the draft. Brian, you're the promo guy, but I'm happy to take the lead here if you want me to. This is your turn. <laughs> uh, we're actually doing a, uh, you know, we're doing a daily NFL show leading up to the draft, 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ, which is our free 24/7 streaming sports network. You can log in on your CBS app, uh, Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Xbox, wherever you get the CBS Sports app. Log in; it'll automatically play at 4 p.m. Uh, and then Monday for a noon, I think. Um, I don't. Know if Brian will be grading this time, or, or how it's going to work, but we do a mock draft. Uh, special on CBS Sports HQ for two hours plus. Uh, we'll all make make all 32 picks and then have analysis. Prisco or Brady Quinn, somebody will grade them. And then uh, Ryan actually is forced to do mock draft Mondays on the Pick Six podcast audio podcast with me, and we do three shows a week of the podcast. So uh, you would think that this would be a slow time for work, Chris. It's not, uh, and I may have missed plugging Ryan's weekly Monday mock draft or the one that I need to start on for uh, Thursday morning. Well, speaking of Mock Draft Monday, I'm going to give our, our listeners a little bit of tease. I have Ryan and Will doing a, a quick little Mock Draft video for us on Chargers.com, so you want to check that out and check out everything that these guys do. Incredible work. Uh, really appreciate the time, fellas. You got it, man. Yeah, absolutely.